Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our living and risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God which we receive with joyful hearts this morning is from the Gospel of Luke chapter 18 verses 9 to 14. Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. For I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Two men went up to the temple. Two men approached the altar. Two men came to church. Doesn't matter if we're talking about Luke 18 or Genesis chapter 4 or Mark is in 2022, does it? The time and the setting can change, but the story is the same. A tale literally as old as time. A tale that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 4. Men approach God and when they do, they come with one of two attitudes. Hubris or humility. Pride or repentance. In Genesis chapter 3, the Adam and Eve, who were created perfect and without sin, fall into sin. And God approaches them. They don't approach God, but God approaches them with a promise. The promise of salvation. The promise of the Messiah. Genesis chapter 4 is all about how men respond to that gracious gift of God. Cain and Abel, two men who approach God, who approach the altar of God, but in very different ways. God is pleased with Abel, but he is not pleased with Cain. Abel is able to come before God, Cain is not. Later on in Genesis, we have the same story again in the form of Jacob and Esau. Again, Isaac is the promise of the Messiah. Isaac is the type, the symbol, the reminder of God's gracious promise to send a Savior who would die for the sins of God's people. And after that promise comes Jacob and Esau. Two men who approach God in different ways. Romans 9.13 reminds us, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Jacob receives the promise, Esau does not. Jacob receives the vision of the latter going to heaven and the promise that God will be with him always. Jacob, Esau does not. Now here in Luke 18, same story again. The Pharisee and the tax collector. Both coming to the temple both attempting to approach God, but with very different attitudes. The irony of the parable is that the Pharisee, who is very much convinced 
that he is a descendant of Jacob and receive the promise of Jacob comes with the attitude of Esau. The Pharisee, who is so certain that he is not like these other sinners, adulterers and murderers, when he comes before the throne of God, at least, is just like Cain, the murderer. Humility or pride? Faith or hubris? These two men approach God. They approach the temple, and of course that temple that they approach is Jesus. The prophet Haggai <laughs> wrote in chapter 2, verses 7 to 9, a prophecy from the Lord. I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. The latter temple which would be filled with glory, the latter temple which would give peace to God's people is Jesus. That's why it would be greater than the former. Jesus himself told the Pharisees, destroy this temple, speaking of his body. The temple is Jesus. The two men come to the temple, but really they are coming to Jesus. The men, two men come to the altar, the two men come to church, but where are they really coming? We are coming before Jesus. And those who come to Jesus must come for cleansing, for healing. Jesus reminds us in Luke 5, 31, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Remember the ten lepers who came to Jesus? Jesus cleansed them and sent them to the temple. Because of their disease, they had been cut off. They had been cut off from worship with God, from the presence of God. They had been cut off from the congregation, the rest of the people. And here comes Jesus who cleanses them, makes them whole, and restores them. He sends them to the temple. He restores them to the fellowship of God the Father. And through the fellowship of God the Father, he restores them to the fellowship of the congregation. This is what Jesus came to do. To cleanse, to heal, to restore that fellowship. Those who come to him must come for cleansing. Imagine that you go to the emergency room but not because you're sick or not because you have a broken leg or something like that, but do you go just to brag about how healthy you are? How soon would it be before the doctors kick you out of there? They have no time for the healthy. They're there for the sick. That's what Jesus says. I have no time for those who think they're healthy. I have come to heal and to cleanse the sick. Cain, Esau, and the Pharisee, all have the same problem. They all think that they're good enough, they're healthy enough by themselves. Cain brought an offering to God, not out of thanks, but to prove that he was worthy. Esau thought that the promise of God was something that he could buy and sell for a bowl of stew. And the Pharisee, look at how he brags. Look what I have done, Lord. I fast twice a week. 
I give tithes of all that I possess. On the other hand, Abel brings his offering, not in an attempt to buy God's grace, but out of thanks and joy for what God has done for him. Jacob learns to trust God's promise, not his own strength or his own ability, and the Pharisee, the tax collector, sorry, the tax collector, comes to be cleansed. These men went home <coughs> justified, not the others. Two men come before Jesus. Which one are we? Our text gives us three simple verbs that help us to clearly distinguish between the attitude of the Pharisee and the attitude of the tax collector. First one, stand. Where are you standing? You notice that both the Pharisee and the tax collector stand apart. But who are they standing apart from makes all the difference. The Pharisee separates himself from the other people who he thinks are less than him. He doesn't separate himself from God, but from those whom he considers to be sinners. He sets himself apart as someone better and more deserving. He judges others as less than him. Every time we judge others in our mind, in our hearts, or with our words, we are taking the stance of the Pharisee, making ourselves better. Every time we judge others because we don't think they keep their house as clean as us, because they don't come to church every Sunday like we do, because we are better than, consider ourselves better with money or more righteous than they are. We are standing with the Pharisee, separating ourselves from the others. Certainly we ought to do those things to work hard and take care of the gifts which Jesus has given to us. But we cannot come before God's throne and tell God, look at me, look how better I am than they. We dare not separate ourselves from our fellow men. The tax collector also stands apart, but not from the other sinners. He takes his place with the sinners, knowing himself to be a sinner apart from God, knowing that he does not deserve to come into the presence of God. Pride and humility. Those who <clears throat> come before God claiming to be better, standing apart, judging others, receive nothing from God, but those who come begging for God's mercy receive his mercy. A second verb, accept. Accept God's word for you. We need to learn not to judge others, and we all have a tendency to do that, makes ourselves feel better. But at the same time, God's word certainly does judge us, and not in a favorable way. God's word often points out our sins. The Pharisees were quick to judge others, but... When, God, when Jesus spoke up the law to them, when Jesus pointed out their sin, boy, did they get angry. They were quick to judge others, but would not accept God's judgment of them. Getting angry when God's word points out our sin is another sure sign of a pharisaical attitude. Getting angry at a doctor who tells you you're sick does no good. And getting angry at Christ when he points out your sin does no good. 
Jesus has come to heal that sin. Repent of the sin. Accept what God's word has to say and rejoice in his forgiveness. But most important, more than the other two verbs, the last one is the most important one. Ask. What does the Pharisee ask for? Look at his words. The answer is nothing. He comes before God and he does not ask for a single thing, but only comes to tell God what a good job he's done. The tax collector comes begging for God's mercy. Jesus tells us, ask and you will receive. Even the Pharisee, with all his problems, with all his judgment, with all his anger, with all his pride, if he had simply asked for forgiveness, asked for God's mercy, he too would have received as Jesus promises. But he who does not ask does not receive. The tax collector comes pleading, asking for mercy, and he goes home justified. Christ has come to heal the sick, to bring forgiveness to the sinner, to restore those who have been cut off from the fellowship of God. When we come before Christ, we must come for healing, asking, pleading for God's mercy. Those who ask receive and go home justified. Glory be to God who has redeemed us and washed us and made us his children and heirs of his eternal salvation. Amen.